0: After being blown away in the first term, the Hawks got to work and took the Blues to the limit with a spirited comeback, and though the old enemy pinched a one-point win, our boys in brown and gold lost no admirers, proving there's plenty to get excited about going forward. Hello and welcome to the Hawk Talk Podcast, my name is Nick Mason, and Tiz, you have to be pretty happy with the endeavour Hawthorne brought beyond the first quarter. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, the boys just decided that they would still attack,
1: even though they were six and seven goals down, and... uh... I don't know why the starts are so sloppy, but um, if you get rid of that, this team looks pretty amazing. That's a fantastic performance after the first quarter.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of jumping into a car in the dead of winter. You've just got to fire the thing up. It's got to get purring first, and you've got to get the ice off the windshield, and then you're good to go. That's kind of Hawthorne's first quarters at the moment. We're not exactly roaring to life, and that was true of the practice matches, and it was true of this game. I've got to say, though, Dylan Moore, against the
1: grain, absolutely t- terrific to kick those first two goals. That's, uh, it was inspiring, it brought the team some hope, you know, and he, he, he's, a, he's a fabulous player for us. I mean, he's only into his 33rd game, I think, and what he's doing is, is providing more
0: leadership under the strain than a lot of the older folks in the squad. He could absolutely be a force to ignite this club. And and get them rolling. Uh, he finished with twenty one disposals, nine marks, five inside fifties, and five hundred and fifty five meters gained, which is mammoth for him. We should pull up how far he ran because he was <laughs> so hard
1: working during that game. Like I know we were playing counter attack, so he's just sprinting. And you know I know he's not the best player out there. I know CJ was the one that sort of drove the result towards us. Uh, he decided to take the game on. Um, that whole back, back line decided that they were going to take very, very risky kicks coming out of defensive 50, but assuming positions in the centre corridor, um, which meant that it was very hard to defend for Carlton. And basically, Carlton would run off their legs with about a quarter of an hour to go. And then, uh, fortunately, I mean, unfortunately, Pittenet got an injury. <laughs> And uh, Martin was allowed to come on. Now, I did see a, a tweet about how often this has occurred um, with blokes being injured and calling on the medical sub and then playing again the next week mm-hmm. when, in fact, it should be a 12- a, a to 14-day injury yes. as per the clause. So it's a, it, it did rankle a little bit. But having said that, this result, one-point loss meant very little to me as I left the stadium.
0: It was a loss to be weirdly proud of. Uh, I mean, we had no right to be anywhere near them. Uh, And that was true as far as the tipsters were concerned heading into this game. No one had us matching Carlton. No one really backed us in. Um, And especially not by the end of the first term where they'd slammed on seven goals to our one. Look, we had no business being near them. And the fact that we got that close... uh, Look... I say that close, we did get in front, Tiz. We were in front for a moment there, which is a monumental effort. Well, they threatened to blow us off the park after that first
1: quarter. They were marking everything. We couldn't get our hands near it in the midfield. Um, our ball use was fairly poor. Uh, we went into our shells a bit in the first 10 minutes. You know, it's remarkable that we managed to come back the way we did, and I thought DGB after halftime and with scrimshaw out of the side um due to what is a scapular complaint isn't it looks like
0: he's fractured it that's looks like a number of weeks there so g'day hawkers bit of an update for you we recorded this podcast pretty early in the week and we've since had some good news for jack scrimshaw scans have cleared him of a fracture fantastic so apparently he's even a chance to face and Kilda at the mcg on sunday happy days all right back to the show at the start of the year, we thought, how are we going to fit all these half-backs in? All of a sudden, <laughs> this is why you have this many on the list. But um, Not only that, Tiz, it was a matter of, uh, you know, how, how how much room do we have for all these half-backs? And also, another question that's on my mind is, do you reckon we need another ruckman? Oh, yeah. I think we need another ruck on the list. I know, um, <laughs> but let's just stay on DGB for a while. He, ha- he had
1: some extraordinary um, intercepts and... That that to me is by far his best game. I know he announced himself with a bit of bit of hurly burly <laughs> last year, but that that was uh that was for me exactly what I wanted. He spent the first two weeks sort of locking down his opponent and this week, when the moment arrived, he decided to impact the game and he had some stunning. Good to see him try to um, run out of the
0: back line a little like CJ, but certainly nowhere near as accomplished. Uh, a team-high 11 intercepts for DGB, 18 touches, seven of those contested, and uh, I think we've got a player that's beginning to grow before our eyes because I'd agree that that was his best game yet. And he doesn't waste the ball. He's very very team-oriented. It's, it's, uh,
1: it's great to see. They're just some Look, I'll just take a moment. This could be a little while, but the guys under 50 games... And, and these were the guys that, that produced a comeback, really. Apart from Scrimshaw, who was playing his 50th game, you've got DGB, Will Day, Ward, McDonald, Moore, Lewis, GF, Newcomb, Reeves, Nash, McGuinness, all under 50 games.
0: When, when you lay it out like that,
1: it is a very, very young side. And when you're watching the game on the weekend, you saw Bruce and Gunston, just doing what they normally do, knowing where each other is at all times. And you've got to remember, these, these kids don't have that yet. And if they can get to that, if this team can grow together like that, they're going to be awfully good, I think. It's also, it's also really pleasing that uh, we did lose the midfield battle again,
0: and yet we were still competitive. <laughs> one of these days I'd quite like us to win that midfield battle, Tiz, if we possibly could, because I'd really rather not get down by seven goals in the first term. If we could possibly avoid that, that'd be nice. Well, yes.
1: yeah, No, that, that has to happen. But what I'm saying is uh, we haven't been winning that midfield battle for a very long time. <laughs> and And we haven't looked competitive when we've lost it in this manner. True. true. And to be able to still eke out a one-point loss, although, you know, not what we're after, indicates that um, any kind of improvement... I know they're doing a hell of a lot of work, defensive work, in the midfield um, to prevent Carlton running straight through the front of the pack. And I thought Nash... You mentioned the ruck. I thought Nash, as a backup ruckman, was was very, very good at um, sort of nullifying crips at, at many of the stoppages. Um, so it was unfortunate... Uh, that we can't just have him in that role the entire game.
0: We'll get to the Celtic warrior Connor Nash in just a moment. I want to circle back around to uh, the guy that you highlighted as, well, probably the MVP of the match. It's CJ, of course. 27 touches at 81.5% disposal efficiency. It's that thing I was talking about last week. When you've got defenders racking up those kinds of numbers with that kind of efficiency, with that kind of distribution, and that dash as well, that is incredibly important to any sort of comeback. Eight marks as well, ten intercepts, 588 meters gained, one of our highest. So that says it all. You can tell where the comeback came from with numbers like that. And he reads the ball terrifically well,
1: as also you know him. Him and and Sicily make it tremendously difficult to, to take a mark or get some space. And it's wonderful to see the frustration. In Carlton forwards at, at during the third quarter That was good fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> One guy uh, from the midfield who can hold his head high Is one Jai Newcomb 17 touches, 6 tackles, 5 inside 50s 480 metres gained And we had a question from Dino here What were the catalysts for the comeback? For me, it was hard to ignore Duke Whether it was streaming down the corridor With his booming entries Or his second effort sprawling with pressure He's quickly become my favourite And mine too, Tiz
1: Did he not get a car park for the game? What happened? He uh, didn't get a touch in that first quarter, Duke. (laughs) And this is just symptomatic of the team. The the, the team in the first quarter only got 66 touches. The rest of the game are in the hundreds, you know. Look, Duke is is terrific, but this happens with young sides. We were talking about this coming into the season, that um, there will be brain fades. I was thinking as I left the ground, I thought, and given the result, a one-point loss, it is by far best to have the worst part of the performance at the start of the game. Because if you flip it (laughs) and you have that during the third quarter or even in the final quarter, that is a totally demoralising loss.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, look, it is a one-point loss at the end of the day, but I I don't feel great being a Carlton supporter in that situation. You know, you're meant to run over the top of Hawthorne. You're you're meant to be finals contenders. You're meant to be in amongst it. What, What are you doing? giving up a 40-point lead to a team that's, you know, in the, the first year, third round of their rebuild. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, I felt we were lacking a, a third tall in the
1: forward line. But Mitchell tinkered a couple of things. He made sure um, Carlton couldn't run it easily into their forward line, um, became very defensive in midfield, basically uh, said they're going to get the ball. We've just got to make sure that they're forced to the sides, to the wings, and uh, take a bit longer to get it to get it up there, and, and they had a lot of trouble getting it into there, just over the forward fifty arc. And I felt that um, well, Sam Mitchell coached the team back into it. I thought uh, Voss didn't do a lot uh, to to achieve the result, and it was Doherty who basically took it upon himself as a wise old head to to eke that result out. Now I, I thought Sam was very impressive, but. You know, in that first quarter, he basically uh, had his hands tied. I don't, I couldn't see anything he did that worked. I think we should talk about the bloke that kicked, I think, the best goal of the day. Oh, absolutely, you did. That's that's an easy call for mine. Harry Morrison with 19 touches, 7 marks. Wasn't that a crowd lifter? Like, it was great. How many did we have? About 66,000. The noise, this was the best game of the year for me. The noise was back. Uh, I had a horde of Carlton supporters who felt that the Premiership was nearly theirs, and uh, <laughs> when that went through, the reverse banana. Oh, what an amazing moment! And and to to have the skill and the and the poise to be able to do that, I, I just felt that Harry, who's been a bloke we've looked at and gone, does he remain in this lineup? We know he's got talent. Can he really? get a career out of it, you know, if he can start doing things like that again and again, I've noticed his work over the ball, holding his position, that kind of stuff has greatly improved. He might make it. Nick, he might make it.
0: Just before I get to Michael's question, I, I want to pick up on something that you said: uh, a horde of Carlton supporters. Now, of course, we're open to any suggestion for a collective noun. There at Hawk Talk Pod, uh, we- we've got horde so far. So, make your nominations. Uh, this question from Michael, uh, submitted via Twitter, has Harry Morrison finally made it? Um, certainly. Seems like he's come along in leaps and bounds. I think he was very instrumental, as you point out, Tiz. I mean, when Scrimshaw went off the ground, that's a hole to cover. That's a significant hole. Suddenly, it puts it back on the defence to collectively stand up. And I thought Harry Morrison was a great individual effort. Uh, look, he imposed himself in that last quarter,
1: seven touches, and he had 84% disposal efficiency. Excellent. Second only to Jack Frost. So he he got the most he could out of himself for that game. But he's very much a confidence player, isn't
0: he? I would say so, yeah. That goal won't hurt either. (laughs) Won't hurt his confidence. Uh, This other bit from Michael here, this other part of his question, will Finn McGuinness make it? bit more uncertain about that one he is the fringiest of the fringe players of that lineup for Hawthorne I would say I think the lack of scrimshaw probably gets him a reprieve do you think so we've got impy on the sidelines
1: to come in I I don't think he's a, like he looked at Will Day and he was gasping for air for much of that second half I, I think impy will it'll take a while to get his fitness
0: up as well and the final part of Michael's question big would have made a difference as Ned hasn't made it yet now before we address that I love the shortening of big boy to simply big. I'm quite fond of that. I don't know why it tickles me. I quite like it. Uh, Ned Reeves, what did you make
1: of his game? What did he have? 5 hitouts to advantage against Pitnets, nine. Um, oh, he, he, he's not meant to be in this role just one-out ruckman. This is probably too much for him at the moment, and he's not going to get much of a reprieve unless Lynch um, recovers sooner rather than later. They've got to be very cautious with that as he's got a history of concussion. So if he could just provide an option uh, every now and again, just find his own space and and make sure that his opponent has to respect his movement. At the moment, he's he's being very defensively minded and... um, you know he'd get a few touches but it's uh
0: yeah I think you're right we actually had a question from Lauren uh, wondering why when the when the game was up for grabs we would deploy Nash in the ruck instead of Ned Reeves wondering if Reeves maybe lacks the match fitness I think he lacks the mobility I think you just you can't afford to have a guy attending a center bounce that as soon as the ball hits the deck he seems to be out of the contest awfully quickly which is you know he's 211 centimeters that's fair. But um, when the game's off for grabs, I think that's why we reverted to Nash in that instance. Look, we'll know when Reeves has arrived. when Because he, he's that tall, why don't you just punch it forward?
1: <laughs> None of this tapping it down to people. Just smack it, and on you go. You know which way the ball's going there. You don't need to worry about it. You know, every now and again, big hoik could uh, have massive, massive benefits to the side. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> You suddenly go from wondering where your opponent is and and being defensive and and work sharking off the other's ruck duties to, um, oh, look, it's gone in our direction. Let's go.
0: Let's talk about Connor Nash. You mentioned him before. uh, The epitome of a utility player it is. What a player he's turning into. 16 disposals, 4 inside 50s, 9 defensive half pressure acts and 18 in total, which was among our best. He attended 30 ruck contests and Ned Reeves had 50. Uh Nash's work rate this game the amount of work and influence he had upon this contest was probably the most of his entire career. This was his most industrious game I've seen him play and uh I just hope that Hawthorne supporters can recognize that and give him the credit that he deserves. He was uh, a lot was asked of him this game.
1: And, and he did flag at the end. He was he was really struggling. I think he only got two touches in that last quarter, but he ran at 75 75- percent disposal efficiency and his kicking has drastically improved from what we all recall so um, yeah no there is there is a lot of work being done by by uh, connor he was on the field for 73 percent so that's one of the lowest but that's because he was taking so many ruck duties um what did you think of uh connor mcdonald do you think
0: he'll get the nod again this week, look. If he doesn't, and this is along with Ward as well, if they don't make the team, I would suggest it's just a matter of managing their fitness and nursing them through their debut year. There's neither reason why either of these guys should be out of the side. They contribute, they provide a lot. Connor McDonald finished with 15 touches and one goal too. So this is a guy that, like a shark, is circling and just waiting to have his moment on the scoreboard. He, you know, he could bob up with three goals the next week. You just don't know. Uh, I see no reason to not persist with these guys other than a matter of management. I think you back
1: him in and I think I think the Saints are there to, for the taking, to be honest. I look at them and I go, Oh
0: whew, good luck. Mate, the Saints are always <laughs> there for the taking. They're the epitome of mediocrity. I can't trust them. I'll never I remember when I tipped them for the top eight last year. That that is just a fatal mistake. That is a rookie error. I'll never do that again. Uh, I want to speak about Josh Ward, just mentioned then. 20 disposals at 70% disposal efficiency, three clearances, four inside 50s. I think it's unfortunate that uh, people will look back on this game and maybe remember that one horrific clangor that he had being mowed down in the centre of the ground. It was unfortunate because I think he had a better game than that. After that moment, he, he went on a
1: run. He decided <laughs> that he wasn't going to stand for that kind of crap. And he had 12 touches in that quarter. Oh, did he? Wow, there you go. Out of his 20. That is, you know, just the sheer will to compete in that kid. is incredible. I know John had a shocker, right? And we probably shouldn't mention it. But he, Ward could just compete every time it came near him. Um, Tommy, Tommy Mitchell was down on his touches. He only had 23 for the day. You know, and, and generally, if... If you're not getting your best players getting their hands on the footer, you shouldn't be competitive at all. Warple was industrious. He just missed that inside 50 in the last couple of minutes, which seemed an easy kick. But, you know, you just you got to persist with these boys. The only one I really want to hang out there to dry... <laughs> I bet I can guess. Well, he could do with a haircut and a fitted <laughs> Guernsey with no sleeves. Very frustrating to... To know that he's got all that talent and uh, I don't know what he's doing, Nick. It looks like a psychological thing, so it might be in your arena, I think. (laughs) I tried to provide uh, antagonistic encouragement. Let's put it that way.
0: (laughs) I'm sure. Luke Bruce, uh, two goals and four goal assists. Those back-to-back goals, they helped uh, reignite something for Hawthorne. That was beautiful to see. And uh, Will Day, 22 touches, nine intercepts, 18 pressure acts in what was a pretty seamless return. I mean, his fitness will be better for it. (laughs) He'll be better for the run. He was pretty gassed by the end. But then that's what happens. We saw the same with Sicily the previous week, and it's just great to have him back. He is a superstar player. Uh, He's going to be a massive star in the making. So... Anyway, with that being said, time for some listener questions. Uh, Arriving virus. Past two games have shown lack of centre dominance. Don't think we can sustain kicking goals going from our back 50 to our forward 50. What do you think, Tiz? Uh, Yeah, I think um,
1: oppositions will will find a way to sort of slow down our progress. But if you're playing this um, counter-attacking style, and we are exceptionally good at, at picking up on or forcing the error, forcing the turnover and then going straight down the other end and kicking a goal. That's the way we got back into this match. And it's something that Carlton don't do. They should be able to do it, but they can't do it. Now, as an indicator for um, getting deep in finals, working off the opposition's turnovers and scoring is one of the greatest indicators that you will go deep in a finals run. If you can't manufacture goals off your opposition's mistakes... It's just going to be too hard. And that is the unsustainable version of playing football. If you have to have everything go right from getting the ball to getting it out to the chain going forward, it's just not going to happen.
0: Well, we just don't see that. I mean, Melbourne, in recent memory, is the exception to the rule. That, you know, in the grand final, that kind of bang, 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 and just blowing the game apart, that's the rarity, that's when things go perfectly to script and you just you don't need a plan B. So, yeah, I think you're onto something there. So although I'd love to see some better numbers in that midfield,
1: and there will be better numbers, that will improve, has to, whether it be through recruiting at the end of the year or bring someone like Ned Long who looks quite good and we might as well have a look at what he can do at the level, not necessarily next week, but in certainly this year. Um, it, it's just... I'm surprised that the game plan and the confidence in the game plan came back to the group after quarter time. And I thought from a from a team psychology point of view, that was a huge tick for Mitchell and us. And the supporters gained a lot out of seeing the fight they had in them to get back into that contest.
0: Absolutely. Would have been nice to pinch the win, but um, it's one of those losses that you can't be too unhappy about for that point, Tiz. Like the psychology behind it. To claw our way off the canvas was absolutely incredible to see. Um, Still remaining with the midfield now, Jared, one of our listeners, Jared suggests uh, for a midfield that's dysfunctional, the pressure spread and delivery into the forwards from the midfield was the reason we got back into the game. I think the biggest blunder was our first quarter sleep in. He also highlights the endeavour of uh, Mitchell, Warple and Newcomb in particular. Absolutely. The spread of the midfield is excellent. Um,
1: That's what enables us to move the ball quickly and to make sure that their defence can't set up in any meaningful way. Um, it requires a lot of aerobic capacity, but when you look down the sheet here and you see that uh, Tommy Mitchell only had 23 touches, but he had the highest number of scoring involvements at seven, it shows you that he is integral to how this ball moves. But if you get it in his hands a few more, he might have nine or ten scoring <laughs> involvements. You know, it's just... <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're what you're seeing is a team performance, and that didn't happen for a long time in that midfield. Now the team performance isn't gelling yet, but it's far better than having Tommy getting fifty. Oh yeah, and everyone else watching. I am not missing that one little bit. Yeah. So eventually we will see an evolution in this midfield, and it'll start to look really, really good. I was I was surprised with um, how they used Dan Howe, but on the other side of that, I think maybe. They
0: didn't want to change up the midfield again. We had a couple of questions here from Woz and Hawk12 along the same lines. Do we dare drop Jager O'Meara? Do we dare drop Chad Wingard after this?
1: Well, I was, I was kind of thinking of this myself before when I said hang out to dry. I, I don't think Wingard
0: is putting in the effort that anyone else in the team is. Yeah, it's interesting. One of our, one of our listeners tweeted this over the weekend, that they wish that Wingard had the work rate that Dylan Moore does. Absolutely, Dylan Moore. But that Silvani guy, he worked harder than anyone I,
1: you know, else I saw for Carlton. Like the other blinds would be calling for the ball; he'd just be running into space all the time. He's the only reason uh, that their forward line wasn't completely dysfunctional, <laughs> as far as I was concerned after quarter time. Um, and Wingard doesn't do that, and he's got streaks more talent than Soss and, and and more talent than than Dylan. Then um, he's just I don't know. What's going on there Maybe he's injured I'm pretty sure uh, Jager's injured Pretty I would say that's kind of obvious um, He's never put in performances like this Whereas we know that Wingard has done this kind of crap in the past So
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's true It's true Yeah, People might call it harsh But I feel as though it's plenty evident enough you would be loathe to drop him Because he can win you a game in a couple of minutes That's the so. problem <laughs> That's the problem. You know that he can do, as he's done this season already, he can bob up for one or two in the blink of an eye and win you the game. Um, But at a certain point, does Mitchell want to send a message where, you know, hey, mate, we need more out of you. You're too good to be floating around and drifting about doing nothing. Well, we haven't seen Shields again, and he certainly puts in more effort. Doesn't have the same X factor or the mercurial ability, but... Uh, I I would go for Endeavour at this point. I want someone to impose themselves on the game and Wingard simply isn't doing that for nearly long enough uh, in any game this year. I'll I'll cop that from one of the younger guys, Tiz. (laughs) You know, a a guy in his maybe second or third game sort of floating about, not necessarily having much of an influence. I think maybe like a Finn McGuinness. I understand. I understand it. I don't think... I think we should expect more from Chad Wingard. Absolutely, we have to expect more. Had a question from Cato here. Love how Mitchell made the correct adjustments after quarter time. First time as a head coach being challenged, and he responded excellently. Uh, Do we need another weapon up forward to create headaches? Say, Callow or Cosie?
1: Yeah, I I don't mind the sound of that. Look, um, Cosie played ruck in the VFL. Didn't get near the scoreboard. Callow, he wasn't imposing. Um... Box Hill boys didn't run out the game, which was surprising, because uh, they're usually very, very fit. Um, and that's two losses on the trot now to begin the year, and uh, there's some question marks over their defensive ability. But, um, look, if you took Wingard out and put Cozzy in, would we be a better side?
0: I mean, it's not exactly like for like, is it? No, not at all. Like, you're going to lose pace. You might gain touches. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, when Wingard isn't having nearly as much influence as we'd like, maybe we can afford to, to make a, a swap that isn't quite like for like anyway. Well, you've got to say that Mitch
1: Lewis was pretty found out by a quality opponent this week. So if you bring, if you bring Cozzy
0: in, um, you know, you're going to spread the defence... Of St Kilda this week I still think we can play Cozzy and Lewis In the same lineup. I just don't think That Cozzy gets recalled This week I just I can't see it Based off uh, How Box Hill did We'll get to them In a moment though Uh, For now We'll just tie a bit of a bow In this game Uh, Question from Brito How good is the development This year eh 2-1 Healthy percentage Could have been first If we turned up In the first quarter Some great signs Emerging players How good is this Development year Yeah Yeah so It's 2-1 if we lose this
1: week, we're 2-2, two and two. Um, and then we've got Geelong. You know, we looked at this fixture and we thought, geez, this is going to be a rough trot to start the year. So after the bye, it gets a lot better. <laughs> um, if we can start getting some of our halfback flankers to return to the game and, uh, you know, we get, we get a better ruck duo going. We saw enough to say that this team, you know, could get a final out of this, out of this mob, I reckon.
0: It's certainly an outside chance. You're going to need a lot to go right, I think. But early signs are promising. As always, it's how you win and how you lose. It's not just whether you're 2-1 and one, or you know maybe by the end of this week, it could be 2-2 two and two, or it could be 3-1. and one. I mean, imagine that. But it's more than just the numbers. You have to look at the games in depth, as we do right here on the Hawk Talk podcast, and try and understand what's going on with this club and what kind of progress we're making. And you'd say to this point... It's been progress beyond our wildest dreams. (laughs) I did not think I would be feeling quite this optimistic about this club at this early point in the season.
1: The other point I'd like to make is that although we were throttled in that first quarter, no team has has really found a way to prevent the counter-attacking or really stifle that movement. Uh, If that continues through to round six, uh, it's a really good look for Sam, who's got a bona fide game plan that can that can travel and he can use for a few years. You've got to remember there's been crap teams play finals the last couple of years, Nick. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? You don't have to be you only have to be quite good to, <laughs> to play finals. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a lottery, you know, from six to ten. So if you get things going the right way, you can you can really
0: be in with a, in with a crack. And this week we take on one of the teams that occasionally is quite good, but more often than not is quite average. It's Hawthorne hosting St Kilda at the MCG, Sunday, 3.20pm. Now they're coming off a win over Richmond. They stormed home, and uh, I'm, I, I trust that will inspire some faith in the punters once again? Uh, yeah, I think we're we're certainly not favourites.
1: Um, four goals to Max King in the in the last quarter, uh, and, and they've declared it curtains on the... Uh, on the Richmond time, or what was it, Tiger time, they've declared the curtains in the paper, even though we all knew that ended quite some time ago, but they're finally gone with the headline. <laughs> it ended last year. <laughs> so you'd, you'd have to... Let's think about how we're going to line up against them. Uh, Scrimshaw will be out. Um, you're talking about Finn being out. Maybe. Outside chance. Uh, Long was named on the extended bench, so... Given the results in the midfield, Sammy might be looking at that. Even Shields, who hasn't played at the VFL. Maybe we should have a look at what what happened at the VFL if we're looking at what changes we're going to be making for St Kilda.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, sadly, as you mentioned, Box Hill was smashed in a uh, disappointing final quarter by the Blues. Now, it was disappointing because it was a fairly even contest before turning into a bit of a nightmare. That start of the final term, Hawks led by a point, And were then just absolutely buried by a nine-goal avalanche out of nowhere in the blink of an eye. In the end, it was a 46-point margin. So to be right in the contest and lose by that much is pretty disappointing. Uh, Tom Phillips was industrious, though. 28 touches, 11 tackles, and 5 clearances. Ned Long, you mentioned before, he notched up 11 tackles and had 20 touches. That's good to see. A big-body midfielder putting his body in like that. Jarman Impey was brought on after the first term. He ultimately ran out the game 16 touches and uh, reportedly showing some of that trademark dash that we could certainly bring into the senior side eventually. Yeah,
1: he's still got the poise, still keeps the head straight and and looking up and trying to find the best options. So uh, he'll be an asset for us. Um, perhaps he, he will be
0: the spark... That ignites Wingard again, because we know they're great mates. Yeah, work well together, very much so. Uh, Jai Sarong had 16 touches and some really good influence for us. Uh, He finished with a, well, just a single goal in the end. Green with three goals, one of our favourites, Fergus Green here on the podcast. Jekka with two, Callow, Mitchell, and as I said, Sarong finished with one each. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that we got absolutely monstered in the ruck losing the hitouts, seventy-five to 21 Carlton's Alex Murkov had 46 of them. And this is the thing, right? Lynch is out. Obviously, Big Boy, uh, you know, it, it has suffered a, a, a fracture in his neck. That's the injury. Um, so Box Hill, they don't really have a recognized Ruckman on the list. So we're forced to use the likes of Cozzy, Callow, and even Jecker to share the duties. And uh, they, they just couldn't match that. And... The sooner we get Lynch back, the better. Like, we, we need ruck stocks badly because I don't want Callow and Cozzy to be running around for Box Hill getting battered every week in the ruck. They're not going to pop Lynch in, in the VFL, I don't think. Well, that's true. Yeah. If he's available, he'll probably go straight into the senior
1: side. But even if we don't want that many ruckmen in the senior side, I still don't think they'll play him at VFL, to be honest. You know, and even if he is, he'll only be pinch hitting and they might leave him, leave him forward. He mean, He needs game time, but. This uh, this this VFL side doesn't inspire confidence in me. I don't like how they're moving the ball.
0: Your question, Tiz, to lead us into this a little bit, uh, looking at Box Hill, was uh, who do we bring up? Yep. Uh. Well, I mean, Tommy Phillips was easily the best on for
1: Box Hill. Uh, Ned Long offers something. That's quite obvious. They're the two. They are indeed the two. I wouldn't say Callow was was highly impressive. Cosie was out of position, but, you know, they know what he can do. So if he gets elevated, I'd be happy to see him again.
0: So in terms of changes for the Saints game, uh, I, I really don't know. Scrimshaw is the obvious one. He just comes straight out through that injury. Finn might be on the chopping block. I don't know. You know, we've discussed maybe giving him more time. Tempting to bring MP in, but he might need a bit more fitness under his belt. Lynch, is he going to be available? Shields hasn't had any game time for the last couple of weeks. Uh yeah, it's going to be interesting at the selection table this week. It almost feels like we don't have that much room to move on these guys. It's problematic, but um, I, I think it'll be a great game, to be honest. It, sh- it should absolutely be a great game. This is just probably the first round where we've had uh, a bad selection headache, Tiz. Not one of the good ones. Let's say we don't have much flexibility in what we need to bring in and what we have available.
1: Hardigan obviously didn't play for the VFL, so he won't uh, be useful To come in for Max King or anything like that. Anyway, we should we should be fine. Should be should be a very good game. Although,
0: you know, sometimes St Kilda surprise us. They do indeed. We've got to watch out for that. There was one team in Brown and Gold Tiers that did have some success on the weekend, and that was Hawthorne VFLW, keeping Carlton goalless for the entire game. If you don't mind, that's five in a row. Five wins on the trot, Hawthorne crushed Carlton with 110 more possessions, 26 more marks, 22 more inside 50s to run out 51-point winners. That was after a slow start to the contest before we just really began to take control, piling on goals. Uh, Camilleri, Cameron and the returning Abby Holmes finished with two goals. And Tamara Luke was also back in the lineup among our best, along with recent signee uh, Bridget Deed the AFLW side. So next they've got uh, the Southern Saints at Box Hill City
1: Oval, Sunday, 11am. And they're in fifth, so that should be a much tighter contest.
0: Yeah, I think this is uh, this has been a long time coming. Hawthorne has an opposition team that is more their equal. Uh, we've been beating up some bottom tier sides for a little bit now, which is how we've built this streak. It's not taking anything away from the women. I think they've done an amazing job. But this is this is a good test. Uh, it would be good to watch it as well. That's uh, just right before the uh, senior men's game. So you could probably stream that one and actually watch both, which is good. I, I like I like when these games don't clash, because all of them did last week, yeah. unfortunately.
1: <laughs> well, it meant that a few people in the crowd were switching over and watching the VFLW. So yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: after that first quarter... Couldn't blame them in the first term. We had news earlier in the week as well, we must mention. Uh, third AFLW signee, Sophie Locke. And uh, if you haven't seen the video for for that announcement and having that reveal, uh, you've got to get on there. They do wonderful stuff, the club, with these uh, with these videos announcing to the new signees that they're going to be part of the Hawthorne Football Club. Uh, it gets me every time, Tiz. They went out to a local club, didn't they? They did indeed, yep. yep. And it's a big, proud Hawthorne family as well. Uh, Some very emotional scenes and, yeah, it's wonderful to watch. So get on hawthornefc.com.au, track down the video. Uh, it's always worth it. It's those videos and um, uh, the announcement of debuts and jumper presentations and that sort of thing. I love it, all of that stuff. And now for some bad emotions. <laughs> well, it'd be remiss of us not to mention anything around Surioli. That has been the big news for Hawthorne in the past week.
1: So we've actually spoken about these... Well, it was a rumor before and now it's confirmed by the Rioli family. about what happened
0: down at Launceston Airport. Yeah, this has come up a couple of times on our podcast but of course we didn't have any details confirmed. It was all scuttlebutt and innuendo as they say but now uh, Caroline Wilson has, an, has unearthed everything speaking to the Rioli family directly. Hawthorne champion Cyril Rioli and his wife Sharon publicly broke their silence on the tumultuous events that led to Cyril's premature AFL retirement 2018. The Age reports it stems from an incident at Launceston Airport during Indigenous round of 2018 with what Cyril described as, quote, the final straw of a string of other events with regards to the Hawks' relationship with their Indigenous players. And, Tiz, you read the article. Uh, I, I trust a lot of Hawthorne supporters at this point have read the article, and it's a must-read, uh, absolutely. Um, it was upsetting. It was disappointing. He's described
1: it as final straw. I knew about all that. I knew, We knew about that, right? But the other stuff that went on to me is, is, is far more concerning and reflects much more poorly on the whole fabric of the club and um, raises more questions than what happened in the airport for me. Um, the senior player isn't named. Um, and, look, I would like to see some leadership, and it can't be can it? so it it should be Reeves, it should be the CEO. Uh, It's fallen to Sam, who's trying to manage the players and was also in the leadership group at the time for him to reach out to Cyril. Uh, Burgoyne's already had a crack. I don't know how you progress from this. It's all very sad and emotive, and um, I was pleased to read that Cyril's still a proud Hawthorne player, but the fact that he doesn't want to return to Hawthorne, I'm disappointed in the club, the handling of it, Um, and obviously, it was a long-term issue. It wasn't just this one moment, this is a repeated pattern. Uh, So Sam's gone to the boys who are at the club now, and he's trying to work out whether it's still issues or, you know... You've just got to improve in the future
0: and make the change obvious to Cyril himself. Yeah, the fact of the matter is it should never have come to this. It should never have come to the final straw at, uh, at Lord Seston Airport. Um, now, I, I do want to give... I can't believe I'm saying this. I want to give Carrie some credit, all right, because the whole angle of um, the comments made by Jeff at the airport... That was very much the new idea, Woman's Day front page version of the story. That's the thing that's going to be salacious that people gossip about, and it's that's the one that grabs your attention. But it was everything else in that article, as you point out, Tiz. It was um, far more worrying, far more concerning. And to Caro's credit, she pointed out as much last night on Footy Classified, which again, I can't believe I'm saying this. I did watch the segment on Hawthorne from Footy Classified. But um, she wanted to... Steer us away From making this All about Jeff Uh, I think she would be Certainly very satisfied That she got her clip in (laughs) It's a nice little hit job Yeah of course she doesn't No She she tries to
1: Attack Hawthorne At every Every possible moment
0: (laughs) Well That could be the case But I think even she Was good enough to say That it's It's not just about uh, An insult At the airport It's It's a much bigger Systemic problem That existed at Hawthorne And Look in that same segment. Um, they showed up on the screen an exchange between uh, Cyril Rioli and Sam Mitchell, and the contents of which would suggest, and this is my great hope, that the club has turned a corner on some of this stuff already. Um, it made me quite emotional to read this exchange between them. I think because well, for two points really, because it was evident in these in this private exchange just the, the extent of the hurt that Cyril feels. Uh, about what he calls being gaslighted by the club basically being told that this isn't an issue this stuff never happened this stuff doesn't matter was the implication and I think the other thing that made me emotional is that despite all that it was clear that Cyril after all he's still a Hawthorne man he loves Hawthorne he would like to be involved with the club again that's what I got from it and it made me emotional because I thought I was upset to think that that might be lost I think that would be a great shame, and especially because, uh, above all, I hope that he knows that Hawthorne fans adore him um, and would also love him back. Now, I didn't watch it last night. Did Clarko get a mention? Uh, he might have in passing, not in any significant measure. Isn't that odd? Isn't that terribly, terribly odd? Yeah, being the being that he was the senior coach that did oversee all this. Yeah, I suppose it is a little bit. But Clarko in this in this story has been positioned as a guy that was, uh, you know, that had reached out to Rioli. You know, he's been positioned as a guy that, after the fact, has tried to build bridges and, and mend things.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know.
0: But you do raise a good point. Is you know where was Clarko when stuff like this was happening? I've read, uh, I think, at least one instance over the weekend where, um, you know, it was said that. Uh, Clico himself had been insensitive on occasions in that same era. So, I, the content of that I'm not, I have no clue about, but that's what I read. So, at some point, the club, the players, the administration
1: need to take action. I'm sure once Cyril sees that action is based in reality with an actual change involved, um, that he will come back to the club and uh, be honoured because we haven't. We didn't see him receive his life membership. We didn't, uh, we didn't get to farewell him, all those kind of things, and it is a very sad uh, moment. But, um, yeah, stop talking about it, Hawthorne. Get this fixed. Don't involve the media. Cyril has never liked the spotlight, so just go to Cyril and get it fixed. The only reason he's seeking the spotlight is because he's so unhappy with the situation as it is now.
0: And I think it's a good thing that these stones have been turned over. Uh, We need to see the truth of these things. And, um, yeah, it's interesting, these interactions, uh, these relationships going forward, uh, you know, the way that Mitchell was speaking with Rioli, um, emphasising that the club and indeed Mitchell himself, they're committed to doing things differently. They want to change. I guess what I'm curious about is... um, the level of involvement that Rioli himself could have, I think that would be incredibly powerful. If uh, the likes of Mitchell and you know whoever at the club went to Rioli and said, "Tell us what we need to do better. Like help us. Yeah, you, know, you could be a strong agent of change. We don't want to. We don't want to be that club that we were in the past. Yeah, but that that risks being like, um,
1: well, we don't know what's wrong, mate." so uh, you come and change it and then tell us when you're happy no
0: it's not about that it's not about that it's about education it's about learning and better clarifying what needs improvement what change what changes would you make like we are receptive we want to listen we want to improve um we something's been lost in translation before we haven't understood So please, we would invite you to help us try and understand and we can do better and make this a club that you can be proud of, a club that you'd like to return home to. Um, Because I can't think of anyone better. I just, for, for a start, the change needs collaboration with Indigenous people. I think it's very great that, you know, Mitchell and the rest of Hawthorne can say that, they want to do things better, and they want to change, but I think that change is facilitated by collaboration with the people that this affects, and that is indigenous people. Um, that's just my view, anyway. I, that makes sense to me. I could be wrong. I'd love to hear from people. And so I hope that gets done outside the uh, bounds of the
1: media. To be honest, of course, it's Caro who brings it to light.
0: Yeah, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that you know there was nothing in it for her. She would have enjoyed giving Jeff that clip. We know that. There's form there. Uh, but you know, you gotta cop it. That that is the history of our football club. The recent history, it turns out as it wasn't as as good as we thought. I think the silver lining of all this is that hopefully it very much is a thing of the past. I do get the impression that the club has turned the corner and I sincerely hope that's the case and that they continue to do better going forward. And like I say, I hope it's, it's in collaboration with indigenous people. Uh whether that's Cyril or anyone else, I think that would only be right. That that is what would work. Now look to Tobo and all this, we did have a question, um that's from Brito at Hawk Talk Pod. And I wanna put it to you, Tiz, because I know that you're you're probably more a fan of Jeff Kennett than I am. Uh Brito wonders if Jeff can survive this Surely he can't No he's on his way out And I think
1: that's fairly obvious I just hope we get a, a very good candidate Do you think it'll help Cyril To come back to the club It'll it'll certainly be a big tarnish On, on Jeff's legacy And uh, He's got to make of it what he can Really Like uh, if he's reached out to Cyril And
0: it hasn't been received well It's on his own hand As far as Jeff exiting and the prospects of Cyril returning to the club, it can't hurt, (laughs) put it that way, it can't hurt the chances of Cyril returning to the club.
1: Let's just say I know who I want to be meeting at the reunions,
0: okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So June 30 has been reaffirmed as the date that uh, the nominations committee needs to find someone. That nominations committee, uh, all the names have been set in stone now. They've been put out there by the club in a statement. Um, So look, we're on our way. I'm a little concerned about what damage can be done in that time. It can take one media appearance... You know, one little stint on, on 3AW or SEN or... Oh, look, he will definitely have a crack on the way out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's exactly the thing I'm worried about.
1: Don't worry about it. It's coming. Just sort of steel yourself for it. Like and, uh... global warming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that, that's taken its sweet-ass time, Nick, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, but it's always there in the background. That's what I'm worried about. Anyway, we... <laughs> <laughs> to wrap up for this week uh, if you enjoy what we do here at hawk talk pod hq we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a lovely review on apple podcasts uh stuff like that really helps fellow hawks fans find our show uh, you can find us on Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. Join a great community, join the conversation. We'd love to have you on board. You can be part of our Facebook family too, facebook.com slash Pod, And you can find us on Instagram, of course. And lastly, as always, we'd like to acknowledge the support of many Patreon subscribers who keep the lights on here at Hawk Talk Pod HQ. We've had another few subscribers sign up and support the show. Welcome Richie, Kyle, and Mark. Proud, passionate, and paid-up supporters, thanks for getting around us. If you like what we do here and you want to support the show, all the details are at patreon.com slash hawk talk pod. So 3.20, the uh, the graveyard shift. Well, not
1: actually the graveyard shift. That's about 4.10, isn't it? But 3.20, it's uh, it's
0: not the best time. You going? Oh, I'll absolutely be there. See, I've got a, got a nice little routine going now. That the comedy festival's on. It's usually see uh, see Hawthorne play, and then I wander back into the city and I uh, see some comedy. It's quite good. And, I mean, hopefully playing St Kilda will we'll do the comedy double. <laughs> How good's the rhythm of it, though, going to, going to the G? Bloody fantastic. Oh, it's just so good to be back, isn't it? My goodness. Especially the Carlton game. As you say, that was the best atmosphere this year. Um, you know, buzzing with 66,000 people in what was, you know, one of the games of the year, you would say. It was very, very thrilling. All we need is the result mate. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I think we get the result this week against Akilda. Uh We'll go three and one and uh, and then we can start prepping ourselves. Geelong. Oh boy, <laughs> that's going to be a big
0: one Easter Monday But we can't go further than this week So only
1: one week at a time, is that the message Nick? Really pleasing, one week at a time Yeah,
0: it's only one week at a time One week at a time, give it 110% The old big book of cliches to round out the Hawthorne podcast for another week It's Hawthorne versus St Kilda at the MCJ It's a home game, Sunday 3.20pm We will see you there We are a happy team at Hawthorne